Welcome to the Farm Bits podcast. Farm Bits is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture team and hosted by students at the University of Nebraska. The Farm Bits podcast comes to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agriculture uh, industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Welcome, FarmBits listeners, to part two of our conversation with Dr. Michael Kahn as we continue on this episode about specialty cropping systems on the central coast of California. Well, speaking of, you know, cover crops, we've worked a lot on cover crops also here um, because we leave our fields fallow a lot of times in the wintertime here. And when we get those intensive rains, guess what? That water just runs right off the fields. And, you know, some of the flooding we've endured in the Salinas Valley is self-inflicted because we didn't have cover crops out there in the wintertime. And so we are looking at other ways to use cover crops. The challenge here is we've got to, we start planting in January, not all the fields, but some of the fields because as far as I know, people eat every day, so we have to have lettuce ready every day. It's not like grain, we can't store it. And so every day we're planting fields. And so um, we got to time things right. And so the growers have said, well, cover crops get in the way of our planting. We got We don't know if there's gonna be a rainstorm. We don't know if we can get into do our tillage, get the beds prepared. So we'd rather just not have cover crops out there. So we're trying to find solutions. Uh, one we have looked at has been to, we call them low biomass cover crops. And their main purpose is to reduce soil erosion and uh, runoff. And what we do is we plant those in the fall, you know, sometimes in the furrows, or in the furrow and on what we call listed beds. And we just, then we use something like triticale or maybe barley. And when we get to a certain amount of biomass, then we would come in and spray an herbicide on there, a broad spectrum herbicide that slowly kills it. So it, it dies and you end up with this layer of what looks like hay out there on the field. And then when it rains, uh, we might get a little runoff, but uh, we found we, we could reduce it by, I don't know, at least 70 or 80%. And we have a lot more water infiltrating, which helps uh, replenish our aquifers too. And then the sediment load, I think it was, you know, when we evaluated from maybe in the bear area, 1,900 pounds an acre of sediment being lost, it went down to like seven pounds. It was just dramatic. So it works as effectively as Pam, essentially, you know, in the winter. And we're this year, we're going to be trying a new technique because the growers still didn't adopt this method. They said, well, we're not sure we can get in the field and spray, you know, with an herbicide. So we're looking at using um, some more tropical type of cover crops. 
so uh, Sudan grass, for example. There's a nice window we could plant that probably in the end of August or September in those fields that are harvested and not going to be planted to next year. Plant that, get some biomass, and then when we get cold here, it will stop growing. And if we get a frost uh, or pretty cold conditions, it just dies. And uh, so this is the idea. We'll have a mat of, again, uh, you know, of vegetation on the field that will protect the soil. So, uh, so that's some of the ideas we're exploring. You got to get those cover crops to work in the farming systems, you know, that you're, you're dealing with. Absolutely. Yeah. So we read that you led the development of a crop management tool. Uh, that helps uh, growers manage water and nutrient decision. Uh, could you explain how the idea came up and how this tool works? Yeah, so the need for a tool like this is from what I was telling you about, that we have all these little fields that we have to manage, and each one has different needs for nitrogen and water, depending on what the crop, when you grow it, and um, we know how we could recommend water and nitrogen, but there's a lot of calculations involved. And so one of the farmers asked if, you know, I had a spreadsheet that could help them make those calculations. So we started, you know, with a spreadsheet model. And then we are saying, wait a second, I need a spreadsheet for everyone in my fields. I have, you know, 500 different fields. This is not gonna work. So we said, okay, well, what if we turn that into an online tool, which has a database, holds all the information about your fields, um, and the models are on top of that database, so it can give you recommendations. And then we have this work uh, on a smartphone or a tablet computer. So you can do this in the field. So we've been working on this uh, tool for, over a decade, and it's gone through a lot of iterations. Uh, but uh, basically, it helps growers uh, in terms of giving them decision support on water management, you know, irrigation management, and uh, nitrogen management. And it, it doesn't uh, necessarily tell you exactly what to do over the whole course of the year as you use it you know you say i would like to irrigate on tomorrow how long should i irrigate it will tell you that which is what we heard from growers is what they want to know and it's um, they don't want to see that you know the recommendation is for 200 pounds of nitrogen per acre and then they have to figure out how much uh how many gallons of fertilizer or how many hours of water to put on, you know, we want it to really give them the answer they need at the end, which is how many hours to put on and how many gallons of fertilizer to apply for this field. So we, we've got it working like that. That's um, awesome. I like yeah. that. I like the accessibility of it. I like the ease of it and really cool for your area because you're working in so many different cropping systems on, it sounds like these these smaller fields. So I think that's really unique. With that, how many growers 
do you currently have using crop managed today? Do you have an estimate? It's hard to, you know, sort of say mm-hmm. um, because all the data is private. I would say there's like at least 3,500 accounts on there and probably we've estimated uh, about 300 active users at any point in time, which is a start, you know? Yeah. And, you know, not everyone wants to adopt a a new technology. There's people that use it, you know, to learn about better nutrient management. And once they feel they've learned something, they don't want to deal with using a piece of software. Uh, But, you know, typically over the season, crop managed is providing about uh, 1,000 to 1,500 recommendations a month. So that's how, sort of how I explain it. It's putting out a lot of recommendations. And uh, we'd like to see that grow, of course. And we've been expanding it to tree crops, even vineyards. And we will probably. Uh, start expanding it into some agronomic crops because there's been interest in doing that too. Awesome. We love to hear it. We're going to backtrack a little bit. And can you tell us which crops Crop Manage is designed for? Yeah. So it was originally designed, we started with lettuce and uh, then expanded to other vegetable crops and brought in berries. And then we, uh, we did bring in alfalfa as our first agronomic crop. And then some of the tree crops we have are um, almonds, uh, pistachio, walnuts, pear, and prunes. And in terms of berries, we have uh, strawberries, we have raspberries, um, mainly in there. And we're working on blackberries. Awesome. That's really cool. What do you have to do to change like the specifications for each crop when you go to like incorporate a new one? Right. So on the irrigation side, we need to understand how the canopy develops over time because we base the crop coefficient on the canopy, the fractional cover. And then from there, we can adjust uh, the crop coefficient that we use to convert reference ET to um, uh, a crop ET. And so, you know, with different planting configurations, you may have different canopy developments. And so when we go to a different crop or a different region, we usually take a lot of overhead photos of the crop using like an NDVI camera. And we do this in a lot of commercial fields analyze the data, develop the model, and we have, you know, sort of a, a development model for the canopy. On the nitrogen side, that can be tricky. And we usually need to know the end demand of the crop. If it's not published, what we have to do is actually harvest uh, the crop over time, you know, the, all the above ground biomass and analyze it for nitrogen and while we're doing that, we'll do potassium and phosphorus and see what the uptake demand is as you go through the season. And that's going to depend on planting configurations and how it's grown. So, for example, 
we've worked with the University of Hawaii that wanted to adopt crop manage there, and they had to collect their own data because how they grow lettuce in Hawaii is a lot different than in California. And so we take those models and we um, create a new crop type in crop manage that way. Awesome. I really like that you bring out the modeling to the plant systems. I think that's so important when we talk about any sort of crop modeling systems. And yeah, so like regarding all being a little bit broad in our question, uh, regarding all the research that you have done and leading the development of crop manage, from your perspective, how do you see uh, research like this? Uh, being implemented on growers' uh, 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 operations? Yeah, so I've had the unique experience, you know, being an extension, um, but unlike, you know, maybe some other states, uh, all of us that are in extension, California, we, we do research. So you get to see both worlds. You know, we work uh, directly with growers, um, there's not so much pressure to publish like you have on campus. Uh, so I can spend a lot more of my time, you know, with trying to understand the big question is, I got this great research result. Why aren't growers implementing it? You know, and uh, working with uh, growers on that. And that is a complicated answer from growers. <laughs> Uh, and we try lots of different things uh, to help get our research implemented. Uh, it's not for my ego, but because I want to help them, you know, do better in their management. And, um, and a lot of it is, you know, the growers have to do their part in having the right staff and hiring the right people to implement new practices. They often... Um, have staff that's been there for 20 or 30 years that doesn't want to change and what are you going to do you can't you can't just fire them or anything and they do a good job otherwise so there's a lot of challenges i see on the grower side in, in getting practices uh, implemented uh, because we use so much you know different labor out there in the field um and so uh, that's that's been sort of interesting because you know it it's really directed my research uh, to always work on more practical applications. It's too complicated; it's not going to be used, right? Um, and with water and nutrient management, those are tough areas, uh, you know, to convince growers to make changes especially with these high value vegetable and berry crops. So, you know, I, you know, through my career, have we made a big change? I'm not sure. <laughs> we do see that the nitrogen rates are, are coming down. Um, part of it is regulations that growers are facing and, uh, but they do fight those regulations too. And so you're sort of caught in between uh, regulatory areas, uh, research, and what's practical, you know, by the practitioners, the growers, in trying to understand the whole thing. 
So it's a it's a you know a very unique uh, position to be in. Um, how much impact you know we have, I I don't know. <laughs> we'll see over time. I like that you you bring up your work in extension as well as research and working directly with growers to create practical, applicable solutions. I think that's so important. I think that that's also really reflected here in Nebraska Extension as well. So I like that. What would you say is your greatest contribution of your work within research? Well, I think um, the crop manager is pretty unique uh, because I know, well, there's a lot of published uh, models out there, you know, to help growers, decision support systems that are out there. But what I think has been unique about crop manage is it's been a give and take with the growers. We've developed it, uh, working with them, they give us input back, and then we make changes. And because we're actually um, using it in our extension program. So for example, uh, I will say, oh, you know, are you interested in working on better nitrogen management? Yeah, okay, well, let's set up your field on crop manage so we can all follow it, right? So we actually use it in our extension work. And at the same time, we're sort of training them on how to use it. And some people, you know, really say, oh, I love this. And they, they, they run with it. Other people is like, oh, do I have to turn the computer on? <laughs> you know, so, uh, but it, it is a very practical, useful tool. And it's, um, we try to minimize the number of inputs and variables and things to make it work. Uh, but, you know, over time, I think we've proven uh, it saves water, it saves nitrogen. And so it's not the, exactly the crop manager I'm proud of, but it's the approach that has been very collaborative. What are you most looking forward to in the future of integrating digital tools in special to crop production? Well, um, I think there's going to be a lot of innovations with satellite data. And uh, we've been working with NASA over the years. Uh, you know, they have the Landsat satellites, but there's other satellites out there. And so the, there's a possibility, you know, that we could bring in estimates of real-time ET, you know, from satellite images. And we're involved in some of the calibration of those type of models right now uh, in some of our specialty crops, where we have um, eddy covariance stations, so they directly measure ED out in the field, and then they have satellite uh, data and satellite models, based models of ET. And, and so it, it may be possible really to get um, an estimate of actual ET, which is, especially important for some of the tree crops and vineyards to know really how much water they're using versus potentially how much they could be using if you irrigate them more or less. So I, I just think um, with time, uh, the satellite information is gonna be better and better. 
And um, and the models that we use in sort of making estimates on, on water use and nitrogen use, I'm hoping those will be uh, better. Uh, one other area is, is nitrogen mineralization models. That's always a black box, uh, how much nitrogen is available from organic amendments, uh, from crop residues, from the soil organic matter. If we can get those models working better and be better decision support, um, that's going to help us with our nitrogen management too. And I, I've told people it's a little bit like you know weather forecasts. When I was a kid, the weatherman was maybe right uh, fifty percent of the time, but now I'm just amazed, you know, how accurate weather forecasts are. So we get our models to be better and better. Um, maybe it's going to take more artificial intelligence involved, but uh, yeah, I, I see in the future, you know, all these digital tools will get become more and more accurate and hopefully easier to use so that the, the farmer is actually implementing. And I think you're correct on that. I think satellite imagery is going to be a huge player in the future. And I'm very excited to see what it can, what can be done in specialty production with it. Is there anything today we didn't talk about that you might want to add or mention to share with our listeners? Well, you know, one one of the biggest limitations in improving agriculture, I think I've mentioned, has been the staff that growers have working for them. And, and so, believe it or not, you know, anyone who's studying agriculture, uh, it's going to be really important in moving things forward in more, being more efficient with water and nutrients. Equipment, models, you know, all these tools can only do so much, uh, but it takes um, people with problem-solving skills, understanding the science to work for growers uh, to get any of this to move forward. So I, I really see it's, you know, it's the next generation. It's gonna make a lot of innovations. Uh, my generation, we did the best we could in learning the science, but you know, we really see that uh, we're doing this for the next generation to hopefully pass the torch to. Uh, so yeah, so I'm very encouraged, you know, to see Lots of people getting in, you know, realizing, hey, agriculture is a nice area to study. Um, and so a, lot, so a lot of the young people that we're hiring uh, in extension or we've seen growers hire, I've been very impressed with. Where can our listeners go to learn more uh, if they are interested uh, or more questions arise about anything we talked about today? Well, uh, we do have a website for our county, um, and we have an agricultural blog called the Salinas Valley Agricultural Blog. You can always uh, sign up there. They get postings. Uh, we have on our website a mailing list, so we send out newsletters, or you know announcements about meetings, uh, the crop manage. Um, if they sign up there, we'll get automatically, you know, um, e-newsletters once in a while. Uh, you know, so there's lots of different ways to keep in touch with what's going on in the Central Coast here. 
Awesome. And then there's a tradition on the Farm Bits podcast, ask for a piece of advice. What advice do you have for anyone interested in getting into specialty crops, research, and production systems? Well, I would say there's a lot to learn. <laughs> and so no matter where you start, you know, this, you, you would, um, you know, just be a sponge and learn as much as you can. I'm still learning. Because each, you think, oh, vegetables, they're all the same. No, each one is a unique species. It has different nutrient requirements, different growing requirements. It's tricky. And I'm amazed that a grower can grow 50 different types of vegetables, you know, and be successful. And everyone looks beautiful. Um, they have a lot of knowledge. And so I'm always learning. So just be open to learning a lot uh, because you're going to need to learn a lot. You know, and we, um, you know, when I worked in the Midwest, it was pretty much like soybean and corn and everyone's working on that. But here we have like 300 commodities. And how do you learn about all that? And it it's a, it's a, fascinating area to work in because there's so much to learn. Thank you very much to Dr. Michael Gaughan for taking the time to join this episode of the Farm Bits podcast. It's really exciting to hear about his expertise in such a variety of specialty cropping systems. My favorite part of this episode would be learning about his development of crop manage for each cropping system. And my favorite part was the research focus on develop pan polyacrylamide and the challenge for farmers to adopt it. I hope you enjoyed the episode and we look forward to sharing another digital egg story with you next week on FarmBits. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Bits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email on Twitter or in the review section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast, their commitment to providing high-quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed uh, by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely uh, their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension of University of Nebraska Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Bits. Uh-huh.